A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you as the off-season rolls along for IndyCar as we prepare for 2023. But Justin, hello as always, and we have a ton to discuss tonight. Go figure. How about that? More silly season, some exciting news in that regard, but everybody's looking forward to our random split error drive of the week. But don't worry, it's coming at the end of the show. Yes, we will still have our random split error driver of the week. Do not fret. That will be a part <laughs> of fret, the show people. at the end. But we start things off. Santino Ferrucci. I think this came as a back. bit of a surprise. Santucci is back. He will drive the 14 car for AJ Foyt Racing this upcoming season. Announcement made today, uh, Thursday, as we record Thursday night on October 6th for this episode. And... This is exciting. I don't think any of us really saw this coming. And when they sent the the media announcement that there would be something coming down the, the pike uh, a bit later, I think we all thought it would be Dalton Kellett, right? And it was Santino uh, Ferrucci instead. I don't think I thought it was Dalton Kellett, I did, but I also didn't think it would be Santino Ferrucci. And he gets his first full-time ride since 2020 with Coin with Vassar Sullivan. And he's a guy that I've mentioned and said, how long is he going to be a super sub for for everybody before somebody gives him an actual shot at a full-time seat again? And it's been A.J. Foy racing. I would love to see Santucci get a shot with any other team in the paddock, but if he, it's either A.J. Foyt racing or nobody, I like him with A.J. Foyt racing, particularly because if he's at the, uh, in the back, he'll cause some issues at the very least for some of the front markers and and guys trying to get past him. So it's a good opportunity for Cinchino Ferrucci to get back in the series at a full-time basis. I don't know how good of an opportunity it is to actually perform, and those are because of my exceptionally low expectations for A.J. Foyt Racing. So Foyt finished, what, 24th and 25th full-time last season. They're out of the leader circle, so it's very important that they get some results and get back in the hunt for that because that's an extra two and a half million gone between yeah. two cars. Remember, they ran three cars for part of last season full-time. So right. there's an opportunity, and yes, you have a rookie coming out of Indy Lights. He did win a race, but outside of that, was kind of middle of the pack, but kind of found his stride later in the season. He did have some good results. He just wasn't consistent with Benjamin Peterson. We'll see what he does as a rookie, but with Ferrucci, you have experience. 43 races run. Um, over several years, he finished 13th in both of his full-time seasons, including his rookie year in 2019, then also 2020, as you mentioned, his last full-time race. No wins, no podiums, no poles, but he finished fourth in the Indy 500 a couple of years ago. So he's got experience. He's got a great record at Indy as he's finished in the top 10 in every start. Seventh as a rookie, then fourth in 2020, sixth in 2021, and then 10th last year, and that coming with three different teams. So 
he won't be part of the dry and rainbow group that he had success and was running top five for a, a bit of the race uh this past season but this is a great boost for them not just for having someone who's experienced but still young and hungry but also to have someone who's very experienced and has a successful track record at indy as well of his eight races over the last two seasons combined seven of those have been finishes of 11th or better and five of those have been top tens if he can deliver that type, those types of results with AJ Foyt Racing, they will be absolutely over the moon. And I know a lot of it has to do with equipment. Of course, he was with Ray Hall in 21 and with Dreyer and Reinbold and Hunkos last year. And Ray Hall for one race. Was he in 2022? Yeah, Texas, he filled in That's for right. Jack Harvey. And that was, he didn't practice, he didn't qualify. And finished the top 10. Yeah, finished now, ninth. It was chaos yeah. at Texas, so it was just stay out of the way and stay out of trouble. But... You can't argue with the results, and Santino Frucci has been able to put those up consistently. And, you know, for me, one of the more exciting lands for Foyt since who? Sebastian Bourdais? Yeah, it'd be Bourdais, then before that, Tony Kanaan. So, yeah, I mean, this is, but this is a guy that has, you know, he's younger. So, yes, he's not past would, his prime. You would hope that he has some time and hopefully last more than one season and is set up for some success. I mean, Bourdais had some success, but kind of faded and right. And Canaan had some success as well uh, with them, but this is a guy who we definitely expect to be competitive at Indy and on the ovals road street circuits. Uh, I mean, he's solid, but I mean, it's so competitive now that you just, I, I don't know. I guess that's the one thing if you say you have a question mark as far as his record, he's okay at those. I mean, he can get top 10 results for you. That's not out of the question, but I don't think he's going to be challenging for, you know, top 12 in qualifying, that sort of thing. Probably not. But I mean, even in 2020 with coin, you look at his results and he was sixth at road America twice. He was ninth at the road course at IMS 14th in mid Ohio, both races, 12th at another road course race at IMS. So not terrible. And then you look at 2021, even better results. Yes. Sixth and 10th at the Detroit doubleheader, as it was at the time, ninth at Mid-Ohio, 11th at Nashville. Um, and then ninth at Texas. Now this, yeah, that was, okay, that was 2022. Okay. It, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird on Wikipedia on, a little on bit. how it's, how it's formatted how it's on laid Wikipedia. Out. Sure. But, I mean, this is a guy who, the 21st of Detroit, he gets a pass because that was a, a last-minute call-up, and didn't he suffer, like, a thumb injury and in either practice or qualifying? Yeah, he was after struggling. After an incident. So, I mean, it was that was a tough weekend, and you get into a car like that, look, the, the Texas result was a surprise, but like you said, he avoided trouble. I think that's the key for any oval race. Stay is just avoid trouble. Sure. But this is exciting for the Foyt team. I think ultimately the question is what Foyt needs him to do and, and what he needs to do is just get them back in the leader circle, right? I mean, that is, <laughs> yeah, it's low expectations. Get them in the money. The, the, the minimum. And I think he's fully capable of doing that. I really do. I agree. And I feel like it's a good ad for AJ Foyt racing for Benjamin Peterson as the rookie. If you added another rookie to this equation and 
that was maybe my worry and thought about where what direction they were going to go, particularly if there was money to me had and a budget brought, then neither rookie was going to benefit. But now Santucci doesn't have an immense amount of experience, but enough to be a dude that Benjamin Peterson can go to and bounce ideas off and get intel off and, and all that. So it benefits greatly the dynamic of the teammates when you have a guy that has some experience already in the series coinciding with a rookie. I feel it's a great hire by A.J. Foyt. Probably the best they could get at this point in terms of guys worth getting and are interested in driving for that team. Hopefully it works out. The inevitable optimism will be surrounding AJ Foyt racing. We'll, we'll get an inevitable story about the changes in the off season and, and the mechanics and, and all that stuff. But we, it has to be better than this year, right? Two guys, yeah. two drivers missing out on the leader circle. The goal has to be, least to get one of your drivers in the leader circle in 2023 yeah and we know that the benjamin peterson entry we presume it is very well funded now if you can get both cars in the leader circle again that's a, a huge gain for this team cash money baby yeah and, and cash is king and Foyt could use some of it and they didn't say anything sponsor wise for ferrucci's ride so who knows i'm sure that will be announced at a later time but it's nice to see their lineup, at least with two cars, as far as the possibility for a third. So Larry Foyt uh, said last week, this according to Nathan Brown, the Indy star, um, that he would like uh, to run a third full-time car in 2023. And then Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com uh, reporting on the, the Ferrucci story as far as a third car. Uh, if Dalton Kellett would return, um, Pruitt reports, Racer understands Kellett and Larry Foyt were due to meet in Indianapolis on Thursday, and if a deal is struck, the Canadian would participate in a third car in a part or full-time arrangement. So that's the update there. Obviously, that would come with some funding as well as far as helping the team out. Where would the third car be based? I would assume Indy, just because... Maybe halfway between the two. <laughs> Missouri? Yeah, somewhere in Missouri. St. Louis? Yeah. No, I, I would assume it'd be based out of Indy, so... The Peterson entry based out of Indy, the Santucci, Santino Ferrucci <laughs> entry will be based out of the Waller, Texas shop. So Ferrucci also, this is convenient for him in the sense that he lives, what, in Fort Worth, I think now? I think so. Fort Worth or Dallas uh, in the Metroplex. So that is more convenient for him. And look, I, I have to say I'm thrilled by this move. I hope it works out. We've been burned before, right? We thought the same thing about Kyle Kirkwood and outside of having a, a good run in his first race with the team, it was a, a struggle. But again, he was a rookie and adapting to this car, whereas Ferrucci has a lot more experience, not a ton, but he has a lot more experience and he's proven at the one place that Foyt seems to, to struggle year after year and that's at Indianapolis. Definitely a good point out of you is with the inexperience that Foyt has been putting into their cars, it's very much drivers learning on the fly and Dalton Kellett and Tatiana Calderon and, and Kyle Kirkwood. Now you bring in somebody that has some experience and can at least bring some baselines and the foundation to the drive and to the seat. And hopefully that helps AJ Foyt maybe at least be at the very least be a little bit more ahead than they were last year heading in to the season. I, I like the move. Congratulations for uh, to Santino Ferrucci for getting that ride. And, and hopefully 
hopefully this means a better season for Foyt Racing next year. It won't take much. Yes, fingers crossed, whether it's two entries, three, or whether that third one's... Two. I, I do too. I really hope it's like, why stretch it? I could see one for May, maybe. Yeah, yeah I could see that too. Full time for a third car, I wouldn't do it. Focus on two. Focus on getting both of your cars firmly into the leader circle, at least competing for that. It's almost as if they, they're doing it purely to put more bullets in the chamber to try to get into that leader circle. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the the question mark there. I mean, you could get, I mean, in a perfect world, you get all three yeah. in the leader circle, but I just, I don't find that realistic. You just need one at this point, you, right? You just get one. You got to <laughs> walk before you can run, right? So, but all in all, I think this is exciting. I think, look, whether you love Santino Ferrucci or hate Santino Ferrucci, at least among IndyCar fans, you have that controversial character. You have that heel, if you will. and i'm just excited to have kind of that back and forth banter not only from fans but you know a lot of drivers aren't big fans of them either i'm team ferrucci with that i love dudes that get under people's skin and as long as it's not blatant and i know people will throw out the issues that was santino ferrucci in the past that's the past me past is the past learn from it he's a better person for it and i'm not going to hold it against him at this point and if he can rub elbows and grind the gears of some dudes in the paddock for the betterment of the show, I'm tuning in. Can't wait. I fully agree. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in a Foyt entry because I don't know how much of it is, if Foyt's truly that bad, I honestly think getting someone with so much more experience will help and someone who's aggressive, who knows how to race with these guys and like you said, get under other drivers' skin. Right will be a major benefit to their program. I mean, just imagine it going into weekend after weekend after weekend with guys in your paddock or girls with Tatiana Calderon that have never been there or are seeing it for the first time, second time, still learning, limited car time, seat time, limited track time. Now you have a dude that you're not starting from square one on weekends. And okay, next up is mid-Ohio. He knows the track. He knows the course of Mid-Ohio. You're not trying to teach, and this is what you need to watch out for. You're, you, you're able to hit the ground running in a lot of ways, and hopefully that gives Foyt an advantage, at least with one of its cars. Other silly season news coming out. Colton Herdas finalized a multi-year IndyCar contract extension with Andretti. That from Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt. So, multi-year. So that means his contract was set to run out, what, at the end of next season? So. Now that extends it. Who knows if it's two years, if it's two years with a team option. Who knows? Good news nonetheless. However, if he gets an F1 opportunity, whether that's through Andretti Global or through someone else, obviously I would think he would take it. We'll see how it plays out. He's still expected to be able to keep his McLaren testing program as part of this extension uh, that's been reported. So... We'll I know. See. I know this was put out as big news to me. It was kind of formality. As long as Dad is still with Andretti Autosport, I don't see him going anywhere. And the door is still open to Formula One when that opportunity arises. I just felt like this wasn't much news for me. Never felt that Colton Herta was going to hit the open market next year anyway. So. 
you have to take care of the one driver in your stable that has actually a proven winner in the series. This was a no-brainer. Felt like, to me, it was next to zero news for me. He's not going anywhere until that Formula One opportunity opens up. And in a separate article, he had some comments uh, talking, I believe, with Chris Medlin, uh, who covers Formula One for Racer. Basically, I had some comments saying, look, I'm, I'd welcome the F1 opportunity, but I'm also happy in IndyCar. Like, he, he saw all the jokes about the super license <laughs> stuff and took it in stride. And just basically to him, he's happy to be in IndyCar. F1 was never really the goal for him. It was always IndyCar. And yeah, if an F1 opportunity now. comes up, he's not going to turn it down, most likely. But also... He's happy to be an IndyCar. He's saying all the right things. Yeah. But he still wants, in my opinion, to be Formula One. You don't get that close and not crave it, the ability to get into Formula One. He eventually will get there. IndyCar fans are just hoping it's later rather than sooner. Yeah, I I hope it's 2024, personally. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere for 2023, but it could be as soon as 2024. Wouldn't shock me. No. No, it, it would not. So that's... That's another bit of silly season news that we have, at least. The rest, kind of more conjecture. So it was a fun two weeks with the the Kyle Busch <laughs> to McLaren for the Indy 500 rumor. Um, Jennifer Fryer reporting that Kyle Busch to McLaren may have snagged over budget avail to effort, but a new name has emerged. MarshallBirdRacer.com reporting that Tony Kanaan now is emerged as the favorite for that fourth Aaron McLaren SP entry for next year's Indianapolis 500. And another name, Kyle Larson. Yeah, Kyle Larson. Uh, apparently, uh, there's word out there now, not likely for 2023, that according to Marshall. However, Jenna reporting that Kyle Larson's name has gained steam for 2023. So either way, it seems like Kanan close to laning a ride, whether that's with Ganassi, McLaren or someone else, there will be options for him, and I'm sure someone will snap him up. Look, let's remember, Brian Reinbold now, in theory, has a seat open for the 500 if they continue with a two-car effort, um, with, which is a... Look, I get they're a one-off, but their one-off entry is more competitive probably than half the full-time IndyCar field right. at Indy. True. Legitimately. And, I mean, we presume that Jimmy Johnson will race for Chip Ganassi racing in Indianapolis 500. Yeah. But if he doesn't, for whatever reason, could that be a landing spot for Kyle Larson if he's interested? That That's interesting. There's there's a relationship there, obviously. Absolutely. Larson ran for Chip Ganassi when he had his cup team. So that's another name to kind of keep in mind. Obviously, you look at Chevy entries because Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch would probably be with a Chevy entry. Um, but essentially he's he's limited to Foyt, which probably not. Dryan Reinbold, they've been impressive, but I think that'd be a shock if he went to Dryan Reinbold. Ed Carpenter Racing seems to be full. Humkos expanding two cars. Uh I don't think he'll go no. there. Team Pinsky's not gonna run a fourth unless Roger signs off on it, which I would be shocked. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was Kyle Larson. Yeah, but you're saying you'd be shocked if it was Kyle Bush. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking Kyle Larson, but okay. I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I would be shocked if Roger Penske did that, because Roger Penske, he's thinking as a businessman, he has to first and foremost think of the of the sport itself. I wouldn't be surprised if he 
jumbled together a team to run a fourth and it'd be either Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson, to be Pru- honest. Pruitt says Team Penske remains committed to staying at three cars while trying to find its missing piece in the most recent Indy 500. Look, they've struggled in Indy the last couple of years. They let's, absolutely let's have. Let's not kid ourselves. So, And the priority is with, with Roger Penske, with his race team, is to win Indianapolis 500s. Championships are nice, but getting baby Borgs is the goal at Penske Racing when it comes to IndyCar. It is said to be $1.5 million that would be needed to cover the cost of Kyle Busch. Obviously, a Chevy team, as we mentioned, would be an option, but uh, we'll see. Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, look, if just one of them runs in next year's Indy 500, that is a huge win for IndyCar. Huge. I still, if I was placing money on it, feel like for 2023, neither of them will be in the race. I would agree. But if one of them makes it, into the event that's great yeah i i would agree i would be surprised look this is the off season we're gonna have these rumors flying around all over the place we'll see what happens as far as that fourth entry what to expect i think you can rule out kyle bush based on some comments by zach brown as they announce kind of some new staffing uh, with their team we'll get to in a bit but Zach Brown's saying they want someone who's experienced around the 500. Uh, He said he hasn't personally spoken with Kyle Busch, but imply that someone within the team has. And he says he thinks everyone's under consideration if they decide to run the fourth car, but experience is right at the top of the list. And obviously Tony Kanaan would be at the top of the list when it comes to experience at Indianapolis. Be a natural fit in a lot of ways and could see it happening, particularly with the, the numbers crunch at Chip Ganassi Racing with that 48 and what they do there. Be great to see DK race again at the 500. Yeah, and, and speaking of Ganassi and Marshall Pruitt in the mailbag, as far as the 48 car. So Pruitt has said that he has reconfirmed twice since Jimmy's announcement. The team will field a 48 car next year. The sponsorship package was known to be significant, so I do wonder if there are more who could afford to do road and street courses than pay for all 17 races. That's why the search will continue this month and maybe into November. The right blend of funding and speed proves to be elusive. So you could see a full-time driver in that 48. You could see a road and street driver in that 48. You can see it at less events. It's all about the funding and where it comes from. I also think we're thinking this is Jimmy Johnson doing any 500 or any 500 and ovals and someone else doing road and street. I'm not necessarily sold. It's that particular arrangement. It I would, agree. It wouldn't shock me if Jimmy Johnson ran the any 500. He ran long beach and say road America, or he ran the any 500 and he ran Texas and Long Beach. Like I think Long Beach is one of those races that he would want to run uh, run because it's essentially his home race. He's from Bakersfield. True. I don't know what to expect right now. We all presume that the 500 is in for Jimmy Johnson, but until it's announced, who knows? So that's the update on silly season rumors and what we have. And again, sounds like Kyle Busch out of the running. Tony Kanaan in and more rumors around Kyle Larson. So there's at least something interesting to keep in mind. And we talked about some staffing stuff. Uh, Aaron McLaren SP, Gavin Ward, who they poached from Team Penske and who started with a team at Mid-Ohio last year after a non-compete. He is now 
their competition and operations, uh, leading that as racing director. Uh, Max Nairn, Nick Snyder, Billy Vincent also uh, hired. And then Brian Barnhart hired as the general manager. So that's a look at some of their staffing moves. I don't think this is a surprise as far as who will be where on what car. Obviously, Brian Barnhart will be with Rossi. That'll continue uh, like they had from last year. And that will be different because Rossi will be in the seven car. Felix Rosenquist to the six car. And apparently this is sponsor related, I think is what a lot of people are saying. Ah. So we shall see what comes of that. But Gavin Ward, very experienced. He's been with Penske. He was also with Red Bull Racing and Formula One. So it's a good hire. And then as far as who will engineer what car, um, I believe that Craig Hampson will be with Rossi. Gavin Ward will be with, this is where I, I lost <laughs> lost the details. Um, they don't have an engineer or, or a strategist set for, for Pato Ward because he had Taylor Kyle on his pit box. That's the one. Ah, yes. That's the one change that we don't know exactly who will be where and who will be doing what as far as the the moves for Aaron McLaren SP. So looking at who's what. So again, Gavin Ward, racing director, who will lead technical performance. Max Nairn, director of operations. Nick Snyder, director of performance. Billy Vincent, director of competition. Uh, we mentioned Brian Barnhart. So here's here's the moves. So Barnhart strategy for Rossi and that car engineered by Craig Hampson, who's been with the team. Rosenquist and his strategy caller Vincent will switch to the six car. Again, we don't know who will be calling strategy for Pato Award. That's kind of the update on the McLaren internal side with the team. But all in all, they're hiring top tier people. Not that this is a surprise. And we'll see how it works. I mean, three cars. I don't think we've talked enough about this. That's a big change for a team. Now, something that they did that I found interesting, David Malsher Lopez had this in his story on motorsport.com, that they actually retained a skeleton crew for a third entry um, last year. And that was a, a way t- to basically be more competitive, uh, be more competitive and, and have the ability to kind of get past the hiring crunch in motorsports that we've seen the last year plus. Which maybe more teams need to take that approach because everybody seems to be starving for talent and almost develop it from within. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but it seems like they, they have a step forward just by having that skeleton that crew. Already a crew in place, probably that have practiced together for months. So we shall see. But that's kind of the latest as far as silly season. Now, the other hot rumor. There's a hot rumor? Well, there are a couple. One is not a surprise. We already know this. But Alex Blow expected to join McLaren in 2024. Yeah, that's the biggest non-story in my opinion. I would agree. We kind of all saw that one coming. Uh, this is from Chris Medlin of Racer.com. Now, the interesting part, as always, at the end of the story. <laughs> so, Palo and Pato Award took part this week uh, doing McLaren uh, TPC, the testing of a previous car program yep. for McLaren F1 at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. And Medlin reports that Palo could make an FP1 appearance for McLaren this season mm. because they still have to run a rookie on two occasions in the five remaining races after this weekend's Singapore Grand Prix. Interesting. 
that is is fascinating for sure. And then I think the other thing, we have a couple of Indie Lights announcements. HMD keeps adding to their dozen drivers. Well, eight to be total in, in, in totality, but it yes. feels like a dozen. Nolan Siegel, full-time, uh, will move up to Indie Lights with HMD. And then also uh, a move over, but Christian Rasmussen moves from Andretti to HMD for 2023. He competed with Andretti and Lights last year. So that's a look as far as the movement goes. And now we can get into the really fun stuff. Yeah, what do we got? So as far as past, present, future. So Jake Dennis, who I believe is with the Andretti Formula E team, he will test next week in Sebring with their IndyCar testing program. He did a seat fit uh, earlier today. Also, the Hunkos news, I think this is fascinating. So we've we've talked about the Augustine Canapino. Uh-huh. Uh, he'll, he'll test the number 77 on multiple tracks in Argentina, November Ooh. 4th through the 9th. So he'll test at Sebring next week. I assume he would be the same test as Jake Dennis with Andretti. But as far as what they will do, they will do these demos and Just they will basically run like- Circuit of Buenos Aires and the new Circuit of Termas de Rio Hondo. Now, this had come up before, remember? Yeah. And that's, they host MotoGP there, and we've looked at that track before. But that's one of those in question because there was what, like a, a con- consulate or senator or something from um, that state in Argentina at the Indy 500, and that was kind of the rumor. So uh-huh. that's one of the tracks. I don't know if Augustine Canapino will actually end up being in that second car. I don't know. I'd be surprised unless he brings a huge budget. He's still, he's gotten more legs than I thought he would. Yeah. We have initially mentioned it and thought he was, it was just basically doing him a favor. Now all of a sudden he's going to be the dude in the seat, taking this thing to Argentina, which in a lot of ways makes sense. But if sponsors come out of, Argentina that want to back Uncos and want this guy in the seat and he's going to be in the seat. Yeah. And, and it seems like, you know, with Uncos and Ricardo Uncos very much selling this as an Argentinian team, right? And what better way to sell that than have an Argentinian in the seat. So the circuit, the Rio Hondo, that is essentially like in a tourist area, like this kind of like a lot of like, like spas and resorts, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Obviously the other one in Buenos Aires and looking at the circuit, it is, let's see. I'm, I'm no expert on Argentinian tracks, but why not? I would imagine the new one would be more alluring in the capacity of 45,000. This is one of Buenos Aires. Yes. Okay. Uh, opened back in 1952, and they have TCR South America, TC 2000, Top Race V6, Turismo Nacional, which the some of those have all, um, Canapino has participated in some of those series. It's 2.614 miles, 19 turns. Uh, they've actually had F1 race there w- way back as recently as 1998, the Argentine Grand Prix. So that's something to to keep in mind. There's different variations of circuits that you can run. 
looking at it, I mean, it's a big track. I mean, there's there's a lot you can get from this. There's a lot of modifications you can make. You can make it almost like a Roval type track where it's pretty quick looking at it. So there are a lot of options in the heart of the city. I I have no clues. Our Argentinian listeners, let us know. Yeah, help us out. What's going on down there? Good area, bad area. Kind of, is this a good track? Um, Not real sure, but looks promising. And it's interesting. And you kind of wonder, you know, what could come of this? Could we have an exhibition race, you know, in the off season? Or could this be an exhibition race, say, like in, in February? These all seem like possibilities. I think a very good indicator will be how popular these track runs are. And from all indications, there should be a hefty crowd. Argentina, there is a definite buzz around auto racing in Argentina. They haven't had a Formula One Grand Prix since 1998. And you feel like this is a market that nobody's tapping into. And we talked about IndyCar needed to take some major swings. NASCAR is doing it. Formula One's doing it. Could this be a major swing? For me, I don't see the benefit of a of an absolute like a exhibition race. If if you're going to race there, make it part of the season, in my opinion. Particularly if it fills a month gap that you have in February and March, right? Yeah. Hmm. Now that would work because that's essentially on the tail end of their summer. Cause remember it's flipped. Correct. So it still could be hot. I, I don't know, but that seems like it could be one of those options. You know, Mexico was always thought as an option or homestead to fill that gap, but yeah. could Argentina fill that gap? Who knows? Ricardo Junco is definitely pushing forward. And this is another step forward to that. And the, the, you know, the big thing would be the, there would be little time zone difference. Yeah. This wouldn't be in the middle of the night, like you're racing in Japan. One hour off of Eastern time. Yeah. So very much in, it's basically central time is what it is. Right. So you're not seeing a big, it's actually an hour ahead ahead of Eastern Eastern time. So you're not seeing when we talk about international races, I think that's a big concern for IndyCar is oh my gosh, when are people going to watch? You wouldn't really run into that issue racing in South America. And then the other kind of intriguing rumor. Now, granted, this is from a Brazilian journalist who I believe covers, marginalizing of the Brazilian journalists. No, I just, it's not, <laughs> it's in Portuguese. So that kind of changes the translation, but uh, reporting that Kimi Raikkonen, this is translated, mind you. Yes, Raikkonen is very close to racing in Indy. Information on the blog. Um, translating it to English. Don't <laughs> <laughs> you love the off-season? We always get these articles we got to uh, translate. You know you love IndyCar when you're trying to translate <laughs> Portuguese into English to find out about a 42-year-old former F1 driver. Advanced talks with Ganassi to race next season would share the car with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy would race ovals. Reckonin would compete on the road and street circuits. I mean, it makes sense. It does. On the surface. Kimi Reikkonen, what, 20-some wins? And he's racing in the Formula U.S. I mean, he did, he did Cup recently. Yeah, he did it with the Trackhouse Racing Team at Watkins Glen, right? And was Correct. racing pretty good. 
before well, he was in taken the top out. 10 before he, he got basically taken out. Could be a possibility. Now look at the Brazilian market down there breaking stories potentially. How about that? But of course, Kimi Raikkonen last year, his final year in Formula One with Alfa Romeo, but 21 wins, one world championship, correct? Yes. The race in, for Ferrari? What, 2000? Was 2007. I thought it was 2008. Oh, it ain't. 2008, he finished third. 2007, ah, okay. he won the championship. So, and a popular driver to be oh, very Kimi, popular. Very popular dude. And so, but I don't know if two guys both nicknamed the Iceman can race in the same series. Because <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen is the Iceman. That's as true. Is that is a, a major conflict that would need yes. to be resolved. I think it's in the rule book that there can be only one Iceman <laughs> in the series at any one time. So between Kimi to Ganassi, uh, Tony Kanaan to Aaron McLaren SP, Kyle Larson to someone. To someone. Kyle Busch, doesn't sound like that'll happen. An Argentinian race. We have a lot to speculate. A lot of speculation. This is how you fill the offseason, folks. A discussion like this. And we love this stuff. Sadly, I, I feel like we find this you know what the just best part as of this much is? or more entertaining. Because you know it's the best speculation. Part, yeah. And you know what the best part of this is? No third OEM talk. Yes. And yeah, we're talking international races, but this is more on the semblance of probability or possibility than coming at me with China or <laughs> Abu Dhabi. Or Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah, this is a little this bit is more the believable. Most legitimate we've had since the talks with Australia. I think even more because you never did have an IndyCar in Australia doing track runs. True. And True. so and I this feel... is this relationship is built. Remember, they had this senator, so um Nelson Bravo, who's director of tourism. The Providence of Santiago del Estero, that's where Circuit Determinus de Rio Hondo is. I was quoted in the Racer article saying that this is, they expect to have a full house. Remember, that's the MotoGP track. So there was some senator, I don't know, or someone related to that Providence uh, at the Indy 500. So there was work then, and then they've moved forward for these demonstration runs. So that's right. more progress, I guess, than we ever saw for Australia. What IndyCar needs to find, and we've talked about this before, is find an area that would turn out in droves to watch IndyCar that nobody else is going to, whether that's in the United States, whether it's in North America, whether it's international. Find a place where you're wanted, nobody else is there, and go there. Could that be Argentina? It seems like the best possibility we've had yet. And if it helps the teams, if you have financiers in Argentina, they're going to throw big money at these teams to get down there. And like logistically, it's still a pain in the ass to get down there, but it's better than say Australia or oh, yeah. Abu Dhabi or Bahrain or Japan for that reason, or for, for that matter, in terms of people clamoring for the return to Japan. Only crossing one time zone is much preferred. Absolutely. You don't have guys you know, with jet lag and all that stuff, and I can't imagine the flights are as bad. But then again, maybe I have no sense of direction. Just, I, I feel like, well, you're just going down as, a co- as opposed to across, but I guess that really doesn't mean anything. But for me, I feel like it'd be easier for the teams to get down there. And if there's money into it, that as long as the teams don't lose money 
on a trip like that, they'll do it. Yeah, you just need like FedEx to <laughs> yeah, or pay all for those, the freight costs or DHL. Right? DHL yeah, DHL, right? Or, you know, what are those pods? Just get pods <laughs> and put them on a boat and take them down to Argentina. I mean, that's the, be- that's, the, that's the difficulty, I think, if you do it in the middle, in the season, is let's say you do it after two weeks after St. Pete. Yeah, you'd have to have a two-week gap. Well, you'd have to. And he's even as two weeks before enough. and after. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So that's where it would slot in. That's the problem of people. Well, just put it in the season. Why can't it be a season race? It's so difficult logistically to get down there and get back. You can't do it coming off a race immediately before or have to go to a race immediately after. The other bit of news, and we're not going to do a deep dive into this. Indystar.com's Nathan Brown with some new details revealed by unsealed legal documents in the Plo Ganassi suit. So. Key takeaways. One, Alex Blow is entering the final year of his Ganassi deal. There was some question as to whether Ganassi had another team option after this coming right, season. Right, which is what I thought. But so no. this is it for him. Um, that's one of the takeaways. There's some letters back and forth from Alex Blow's uh, lawyers and, and Ganassi uh, as far as the, the agreements and everything. The other takeaway, Plo is unable to negotiate for a ride for 2024 until September 2nd of next year. So that's a that's pretty late in the season. A lot of times right. it's August 1st. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty late in the season now. I think he'll be okay getting a ride, assuming he's not at Ganassi. And we, again, expect him to be at McLaren. Um, Just don't sign anything you're not supposed to. Yeah. You'll be all right. And then as far as him... Being in the car for the Toronto race is just simply that could be grounds for Pelot to sue Chip Ganassi Racing for breach of contract. And rightfully so. That's why they kind of had to put him in the car there. Right. But those a lot of legalese. Yeah, a lot of legalese and stuff. The big thing for me was the contract, if there was an option for 2024. And getting that cleared up makes a lot of sense. Pelot will be at McLaren. In 2024, the question being, who's out at McLaren? Is it a third car or a fourth car? I think that's a great conversation to have. Very so quick to just write off Felix Rosenquist, but we have an entire season to run where he can perform or not perform that will change the narrative. So we shall see what comes of that. If you agree or disagree or want to interact with us, we'd love for you to do so. You can reach us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list. It is free. You'll never miss an episode or any special announcements that way. Plus, you can check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale year-round on the store via the website. You can also reach us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, search for us just like New Track Record. And on Instagram, IndyCar Podcast as well. And you can email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate your support via Patreon, patreon.com slash new track record. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support, all starting at, at just as little as $1 per month, uh, the lowest tier to support us on there. And as always, you can follow us for free via your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or more. As always, all for free. Justin, mailbag time. and. What do we got? Just, just a little little bit to get to this year. 
This year? This year. This week. <laughs> not this year. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm sure we have plenty to get to this year, but yes. starting off this week, as far as Pelot in the frame for an FP1 outing, uh, replying to this, Jeremy from HBG, team meetings should be a blast at Ganassi in 2023. Yeah, I'm sure they were a blast the second half of the year, too. I feel we have professionals enough to get through this thing. I would agree. I think they've handled it so I think they've far. handled it. Now, the thick of 2022, I'm sure it was tremendously awkward. I think by the time we get into next year, we'll be okay. They're not going to be great friends, but they're going to be cordial enough to run a team. Now on the Junkos news. So originally we thought this would be a demo in Buenos Aires earlier this week because it was at it was a big press event that was announced. And the seat fitting and all that stuff. He'd already yeah. had the seat fitting, but he hadn't had the test yet. But right. Hunter's Way 67 saying, Argentina on the schedule in 24. Yeah, right? Ah, we, we shall see. And then we, we asked for your opinion, posted a poll on this, and it was, would you welcome an exhibition race in Argentina? 72% said yes, 28% said no. So I think the 28% saying no would is... The majority of them thinking it should be a points race. Yes. Well, and multiple people brought this up. Bill Hesse said, if you're going to go, why not count it for the points? Why spend money for an exhibition? Transocean Trojan. I voted no only because it should be an actual race worth points. Japan, Australia, and South America should all be on the schedule, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. IndyCar DJ32 says, depends on the size of the check. They're giving an IndyCar. Bingo. Yep. That is ultimately the question. And that may be the difference between an exhibition where not every team and every driver goes as opposed to a full-fledged points race in which everybody goes. Meanwhile, on the Kimi Raikkonen to IndyCar article in Portuguese, a couple of replies, N.K. Harden says, well, it sounds very promising. Doesn't sound like he's planning to run Indy, but as they noted, once a driver experiences it firsthand, they usually catch the fever. Also adds, am I translating this whole article paragraph by paragraph into Google Translate? Yes. Yes, I am. He's in advanced talks to race the road and street courses with Jimmy. Uh, while Jimmy does the ovals, you're all welcome. <laughs> great, great effort. Great yes, effort thank by you. Mr. Harden. Uh, Zach C8771. Whoa, full season or just may I wonder either is awesome. Well, we gave you the answer. So now you know. Uh, I am analog says get Kimmy to the 500. And then as far as Tony Kanaan, uh, that was on the Tony Kanaan rumored post. Mm-hmm. And then as Santucci being back with Foyt, mixed response, as one would expect. Hunter's Way 67 says he deserves it. Now he has to capitalize on this opportunity. Zach C8771, I'm legitimately excited. Not sure I like the guy, but the series needs him. Uh, right? Look, That's uh, where we're at. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I have no problem with them. No. The past is the past. I, I don't have an issue with him in IndyCar. I've heard drivers have issues with them, but until I hear a particular incident, see a particular incident, I have a hard time buying into, yeah, they just, you know, they just don't like the dude just, for something he yeah. did and said, I, I look, I, I understand their, their thoughts, but, but, but as far as on track, up, has yeah. anyone had a, a legitimate run in? Let us know. I can't think of one. Does on he run track. any harder than say Joseph Newgarden with people or. I mean, Will I say Grosjean, Roman Grosjean, but people he doesn't like run as hard as Grosjean does with people. Well, even people don't like Grosjean. Yeah. So exactly. I feel like let's give the dude a benefit of the doubt. We've all screwed up. We've all said the wrong things, did the wrong things at some point. And he's handled himself as far as we know, the last couple of years flawlessly in the paddock. DC and soda on track even, which is even better. DC soda. Meanwhile, not a fan just says, bleh, you're bleh. <laughs> so that wraps up the mailbag 
short and sweet this week, but uh, some some good bit of off-season news, rumors, and chatter uh, to kind of debate and, and get through. News and notes time, not a whole lot to get to here. Um, first off, Road America, they're doing their paving project, which Laguna Seca is getting repaved, right? Uh-huh. Is Mid-Ohio getting repaved or? No. Okay. I, I think Kirkwood posted a tweet about that. And I'm like, that's a rumor, right? I didn't know that was happening. And people would like to see it. Yes. I think but it's not would. happening. But Road America, they, they literally have a feed where you can watch the work. But first time in 27 years, grinding down the entire track, repaving. I mean, it's a four mile track. That's a huge effort. Is that more dedicated watching that video than translating Portuguese in Google Translate to find out what Kimi Raikkonen's <laughs> doing? I'd I say that's I, a next level. I'd say they're uh, equal. I mean, you got to remember, they have like garage cams you can just watch during like the month of May for yeah, teams. So true. I put it on the same level. Okay. Let's <laughs> check it. I haven't watched the video if you're calling me a nerd. All right. I'm just not calling you a nerd. I'm just wondering the people out there that have it on like on a second monitor at work or I'm just going to check in every... 20 minutes or so on how it's going. Oh, cool. They got that section of the right? track. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I saw it 18 minutes ago, they were over here. Now they're over here. This is exciting. Oh, the, the stuff that entertains you during the offseason. <laughs> that, that's or that the works. stuff that entertains you at work. Whatever gets you through true, the true. eight hours a day. Uh, congrats to Andretti, uh, Jared Andretti, Gabby Chavez, Josh Burden. They won at Petit Le Mans in LMP3. Meanwhile, Meyer Shank Racing... Uh, along with Honda, well, Acura, but Honda, they won at Petit Le Mans and the IMSA Championship. So, good weekend for those teams. Impressive, adding to the trophy collection. Nathan Brown pointing this out. So, Peacock is airing live coverage of the Men's Ironman World Championships Saturday from noon to 9 p.m. The field, th- this is wild. The field includes Tony Kanaan. That's not a surprise. We, we know he competes in Ironmans. And Dallas Clark, the former really? tight end. Yes. How about that? So noon to 9 p.m., I assume, Eastern on Peacock this weekend, if you want to check that out at any time. And then coming up this weekend, plenty of racing with some IndyCar intrigue. So the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway, you'll have Marco Andretti and Sage Karam in the Xfinity Series race. And then Connor Daly with the Money cup Team race. racing in the Cup race. On Sunday on the Roval, plus Danny Kvyat, uh, former F1 driver, will participate in the cup race as well. And Formula One in Japan this weekend, or is it next weekend? Uh, it's this weekend. This I, weekend. I think it's Japanese this weekend. Grand Prix, where Max will most likely tie up the points championship. Are they at Suzuki? Uh, Suzuka. Yes. Suzuka. Yes. Is this the first time they've been there in a couple of years, similar, similar to Singapore? Yes. Okay. First time so. uh, since uh, after the pandemic, they've been there. Very nice. It was good to get back to Singapore last week. The OG night race. Yes. OG night race. Tweets of the week, just one. So tweet of the week, and it's from Felix Rosenquist. Aaron uh, McLaren SB tweeting that uh, they, they got basically a new chassis from Delora and assembly may be required. And Rosenquist replied, I'm pretty handy at assembling Ikea stuff if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, well, I was going to say maybe a couple more pieces, but knowing Ikea stuff, maybe not. Yeah, he's, he's probably on to something. Right? Absolutely. And in fact, speaking of F1, as we're recording, coverage starts just in a couple of hours for FB1. Really? It starts at 10.55 p.m. Eastern time as we're recording this. What? So that's like what? Essentially 
just under three hours away. <laughs> That's weird. Go figure. What is that? The race is going to be like midnight or one in the morning? Uh, the race is at 12.55 a.m. Eastern time, oh. Sunday morning. Huh. Early Sunday morning. The Deuce, ESPN2. Oh, All right. I'm still, I'm still watching it Sunday morning. Yeah, same. I need to finish last week's race. Uh, I won't tell you what happens. I, I already know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Time for a random split era driver of the week. All right. So we're going back to the RL. We're going to the late 90s, and we're going to go with a guy that appeared in three different seasons of the IRL with three different teams. A guy by the name of Dave Steele. I feel like I've heard of him. Dave Steele, he raced, and and here's some fascinating things. First of all, Dave Steele, no longer with us, drove a winged sprint car in the Southern Sprint Car Shootout Series. He won the first five races in series history and was killed in a crash at DeSoto Speedway in 2016, or excuse me, 2017 at age 42 years old. Interesting in, in terms Bradenton, Florida. Yeah, from Bradenton, Florida. Interesting parts of his open wheel career. He raced for ABAF Motorsports in the 96 97 season, did not qualify for Vegas that year. And then in 1998, he raced for RSM Marco Racing. Never heard of him. But you know what? who the Marco is in RSM Marco? Helmet Marco? His Helmet Marco. It was a wow. Red Bull Junior team. It was competed in the FIA Formula 3000 championship from, let's see, 1999 to 2003, and it entered one race that year in 1998 in IRL, and it was Phoenix. I don't know why Phoenix, but he raced Phoenix with RSM Marco Racing. It was basically a Red Bull Junior team with desi- uh, created by Helmet Marco. Qualified, ran, finished in 22nd. He then raced in 1998 at the end of the year at Texas and Vegas, with Panther Racing, and then attempted to qualify in 1999 at the Indianapolis 500 with Panther and did not qualify. Raced in 2000 with Team Sabco in the Bush Series and did an ARCA, a couple ARCA races in the late 90s, early 2000s, but eventually went into Sprint Cars and Midgets and Silver Crown and... Actually won the USAC Silver Crown Series in 04 and 05. A multi-year winner, champion winner in USAC's Silver Crown. Had 60 wins across USAC, Midget, and Silver Crown races between 96 and 2007. He attempted to make the Indy Racing League Series debut at Vegas in 1996, but failed to qualify and failed to finish all three races in that 1998 season where he raced one race for RSM Marco and two for Panther Racing, crashed in practice of the 99 Indianapolis 500 and did not qualify. But his honors for his career, I mean, he's he had quite the sprint car career. So Dave Steele Classic, which used to be the Carb Night Classic uh-huh. at Lucas Oil Raceway, starting in 2018, Dave Steele Classic. Elected to the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame on the first ballot in 2018. Uh, that was a, a posthumous induction, obviously, after that um, tragic crash um, at DeSoto Speedway in Bradenton, Florida in 2017. Also elected to the United States Auto Club Hall of Fame in 2019. That was killed in a racing accident during a Southern Sprint Car shootout race at DeSoto Speedway in Bradenton, Florida in March of 2017. Car's front wheel struck 
and overrode the rear wheel of another car during the event, sending him into the wall. He was pronounced dead at the scene. But a guy that was able to make a name for himself, both alive and posthumously, in USAC and Silver Crown and Midgets and Sprints, and appeared in just a couple races over three seasons in the Indy Racing League. Dave Steele, this week's random split era driver of the week. All right. And for Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. That wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week as the off season continues along. Thanks for joining us on New Track Record Podcast. A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Podcasts by Federated Media.